I started to learn what grace was and it was just a really beautiful process. I belonged someplace. I could just be me. I saw other people being authentic, being real, being raw. And because of someone else's authenticity, inviting me into relationship and connection with them, it taught me how to be authentic. Those relationships, that authenticity, that transparency from so many people who came before me has helped me to learn the importance of authenticity, the importance of transparency, the importance of being real and being okay with the fact that I'm not perfect, that I am powerless. That desperation and that admitting my powerlessness has been the most beautiful gift I've ever received in my life. Tears roll down your face Reaching for something Someone to embrace To numb pain Welcome to Sobriety Checkpoint. Are you a parent in recovery wishing for peace and emotional sobriety? Do you find yourself up late at night googling things like how to overcome negative thinking, or why is my heart racing? Do you wake up with big, ambitious goals only to feel resentful and irritable when you put everyone else's needs first and leave no time for yourself again? Hey, I'm Felicia. I'm a 12-step returned therapist, and I too have battled anxiety and that critical inner voice. All I wanted was peace and just a little bit of time to myself. I tried to strive and achieve to find happiness, but that only left me with more anxiety. I finally realized I needed to discover my true identity to find the peace I was striving to attain. In this podcast, you're going to find solutions to navigating mental health, spirituality, and relationships to experience the peace you've been craving. It's time for that desperately sought-after solo target run. Grab your keys and let's go for a drive. There's no judgment or breathalyzer at this sobriety checkpoint. By the beauty of it all, recognize I was always destined to fall into the deepest of dark. We are stronger than we think we are, so fight. And show your strength. Before we get started, I'd like to invite you to become a Sobriety Checkpoint Insider. By becoming an insider, you're going to get weekly updates with the latest podcast episode, emotional sobriety and self-care tips, as well as early bird access to special offers. You can also head over to Facebook and join my community, where you're going to find other parents in recovery, seeking solutions to emotional sobriety through exploring mental and emotional health, spirituality, and relationships. Check out the show notes for the Insider and Facebook group links. I hope to see you in there. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to my show, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Reviews help boost my ratings, which helps other parents in recovery find my show. Thank you so much, and I'm super grateful for your support. All right, now let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Sobriety Checkpoint. Today, I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about my story. The first two episodes, I 
shared my story a little bit. And today I'm going to do the full on what it was like, what happened and what it's like now version of my story. Just to share a little bit more about myself, my story, so you can get to know me better and know some of the things that are really important to me. A podcast is a very different platform than what I'm used to when it comes to sharing my story. This is way more public. I'm realizing one of the things that is super important to me in my life is authenticity as well as transparency. I do believe that in a way there are some limits to this. Authenticity and transparency invite connection. And that is my purpose for sharing my story. I do want to be able to connect more with my listeners. I'm really wanting to be supportive, be helpful. I really want to bring value to your life. I don't believe that authenticity and transparency are the same thing as airing out all your dirty laundry. On this podcast, that's not what I want to do. The other thing, too, is being mindful and careful to not drag in other people that I love that are close to me in my life and air out their dirty laundry. Like I said, this is a very different platform than what I'm used to sharing my story. When I'm one-on-one with someone, my message is going to be a little bit different than on here. But nonetheless, I, I don't believe that it makes this any less authentic. I do strive to be as authentic as I possibly can. So I hope that you can hear that. I hope you can hear my heart in this. And yeah, so let's go ahead and get started. Actually, I guess one last thing that is important for me to share is that I want to point out that I'm not a representative of any particular 12-step program. 12 steps is something that is part of my story. It's really important to me. All right, here we go. What it was like. I would say that I grew up in a loving household. My parents, they worked hard. Pretty much, it seemed like around the clock. My mom worked nights my whole life, pretty much. My dad worked days. And they did that in order to try to keep us safe, keep us at home, be able to look after us. I will say at an early age, I do remember feeling tired. That's the best way I could describe it. Later on, I realized that depression started for me at a young age, as well as anxiety. I definitely remember being a pretty high-strung kid, really on top of things. I would say in my household, I probably fit into the hero role, which on the outside looked really good. Things were seemed like they were really put together. I tended to be an overachiever. I really sought after praise, positive attention. I felt like I needed to be good in order to take pressure off, in order to avoid putting more on my parents' plate. I don't think I knew I was doing that at the time. I think that's one of the things that's super interesting about the dysfunctional family roles is it's super common that you just end up taking one on because of that pressure that I tried to keep off of my family. It put more pressure on me. And the first time that I had a drink, I was 16. 
it was a blackout and I smoked weed. I was really messed up. I remember being really paranoid. I remember drinking way too much because I wanted to impress. I wanted to look cool, I think. I wanted to act like I knew what I was doing, even though I had no clue. I had no clue what the alcohol was going to do. I didn't know what was too much. And obviously it was too much. I blacked out. From then on, I would say that blackout drinking was a very common part of my story. And pretty much from that day on, there was this desire to try to figure out how to do it right, trying to figure out how many was too much, how many was the right amount, at what point did I need to stop to get the effect that I was hoping for, how could I drink the right amount so that I wouldn't black out. That was just constantly the goal. And kind of want to backtrack a little bit to talk about the fact that when I was growing up, I grew up in church. And when I was a teenager, one of the things that I started to question, start to wonder, start to be a little bit confused about was what I see now as this conflict between religion and relationship. I had this idea around what I thought a Christian was supposed to be like, what I thought it was supposed to be like to have a relationship with God, have a relationship with Jesus. And there was this discrepancy or conflict between what I thought was supposed to exist and what I actually saw. There wasn't really a difference between church kids and kids at school that I decided I wanted to leave church. Over time, I slowly stopped going. And when I went away to college, that's when my drinking definitely picked up. Once again, I was still in this place where I was seeking something more. I wanted to have a relationship with a higher power. I tried out different churches, but it never felt like I fit in. It never felt like I was part of I never felt like I belonged. And I would say belonging is maybe more of the issue, more than fitting in. One of the things that I see as the difference between belonging and fitting in is that fitting in requires molding myself to fit the group. And belonging has to do with being able to be me. Right. When I'm in a place where I feel like I belong, I can be a hundred percent me. I don't have to be anybody else. I don't have to change myself. I can be authentic. When I went away to college, I remember being very drawn to a girl named Elizabeth. I don't know anything about where she's at, but I remember being really drawn to her. I think she was a year or two ahead of me. I don't even know what class I had with her, but I was so drawn to her. And she invited me up to her place. She lived off campus. I was in the dorms. I was a first year. And like I said, she was a couple years ahead of me. So she lived off campus with her boyfriend. She was really creative. 
She was really chill. She was really laid back. And she seemed to like me just for me, which I didn't understand at the time. I remember going to her place. It was up in the hills. They had these bonfires all the time. There was always a lot of people. There was always alcohol. There was drugs. And it just was always chill. And I just remember being in this place where I was just looking for something, right? I was just looking for something. That's a big theme of my story is looking for something, seeking. After coming home from college, I was only there for a year before I came back. I was out of state, came back to my hometown and continued with school. My second year of college, I dropped out. I really struggled between my second year of college and finally getting sober. And that second year of college, I finished a semester with a 0.5 something GPA. 0.5, 0.5. I think it was like 0.531. I did not think that was possible. I graduated from high school with a 3.8 GPA. So getting less than a 1.0, I didn't think that was possible at all. But I managed to do that. My transcripts definitely tell a story about what was going on in my life when it came to drinking and using. Drinking was the love of my life. There was other substances in my story, but I feel like it wasn't as much as alcohol. Alcohol was just easier. When I was 21, I was amazed about the fact that bars were open during the day. And being 21, I could drink any day. I quickly became a daily drinker. I became a bartender. I would drink at work. A couple other things that I think are super relevant to point out is my struggles with depression, anxiety. And before I got sober, I was constantly feeling restless, irritable, discontent. At times, I was suicidal. I didn't want to live. I prayed that God would just take me in my sleep. I never did attempt suicide, but man, did I want to die. At 21, I had a doctor ask me some questions about my drinking. I lied to her and told her I was drinking less than I actually was, but apparently my lie was still too much. So she, she referred me to counseling. I went... I only went for an assessment. They recommended I get treatment. I declined. But luckily, this counselor referred me to a 12-step program. I took her up on her suggestion and I went. And when I went, the only things, the only thing that I could hear was the differences. I could not hear the similarities. Everything that I heard, I made sure I didn't fit, that I didn't belong. And, and I didn't stay. So a few years later, I met my husband on a cruise when I was 25. And I was drunk when I met him. It turned out that we were from the same city. We exchanged numbers. And when we got home, we got together, we went on a date, and we drank together. I remember we had a conversation before getting sober. I'm pretty sure we were probably drinking that day. And we had talked about how 
We both thought that someday we would be sober. Within weeks of that conversation, March 19th, 2011, I was drinking with my boyfriend, who's now my husband. I went to work. He went to a party. I worked at a comedy club. There was a bar. We were able to drink while we worked, so I was drinking. There was a storm that night. And at the end of my shift, I get a call from my boyfriend saying he'd been in an accident and he needed me to come pick him up. So I took off, got off work, took off, went to go get him. And he hopped in my car. For some reason, I don't know why this stood out to me, but he was eating Gardettos. And I picked him up pretty far from where the accident was, took him to my place. I remember them looking for him. And I look back at my bed and there he was and his hands were straight in the air. And I always think about this image. Just all I could see was his hands. I think about this image often when I think about my own surrender because that image is just imprinted in my mind. He left, they took him to jail, and at this point, he didn't know if he had killed anyone. Over the next two days, I actually, I went to go see him. We hadn't been dating long. I was also in this place of, what am I doing? Why am I still here with this guy? What is going on? This isn't, this wasn't the norm for me to continue a relationship, especially a very new one with especially after he was arrested. Over the next couple of days, I talked to some friends, tried to process what was going on. And I remember saying to myself, actually not to myself, I remember saying to a friend, if I don't stop drinking, I won't stop drinking and driving. And I was the biggest liar at this time. So hearing myself say that, Hearing myself say this honest statement of if I don't stop drinking, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop drinking and driving. It, it just hit me and I couldn't take it back. I had another girlfriend that told me, Felicia, it's not normal for the cops to come to your house. It wasn't the first time that the police had ever been to my home. And yeah, my girlfriend said, it's not normal for the police to come to your house. And that was a statement that actually shocked me as well. It really got my attention. The next day I was in church with my now mother-in-law and the story was one that I'd heard a hundred times before, but this time it hit me differently. And it was a story about the prodigal son. And each day I just remember being so at my bottom, so scared to keep doing what I was doing. I really wanted to change. I had tried so many times before and I really didn't want to be told I didn't belong where I was. I got back into going to meetings. Somebody told me something that really helped me and it was listen to the similarities and not the differences. Take what you want and leave the rest. That was huge for me. It was really huge for me. Another super old man gave me a 24-hour chip 
and told me, if you feel like drinking, put this in your mouth, and when it melts, you can drink. These stupid little statements, these stupid cliches, they were lifesavers. Learning about living one day at a time, one moment at a time, being where my feet are, all of these things that I learned in the beginning of sobriety, it's they're foundational for my life. And I know that now, 12 years in, it's important for me to go back and revisit those things because I forget. I, for, I forget what it was like. I forget these simple things that are so powerful. Going through the steps changed my life. I started to get to know myself. I started to love myself. I started to develop a relationship with my higher power one that I'd never had before in my entire life. I started to learn what grace was, and it was just a really beautiful process. I belonged someplace. I could just be me. I saw other people being authentic, being real, being raw, and because of someone else's authenticity inviting me into relationship and connection with them, it taught me how to be authentic. Those relationships, that authenticity, that transparency from so many people who came before me has helped me to learn the importance of authenticity, the importance of transparency, the importance of being real and being okay with the fact that I'm not perfect, that I am powerless. That desperation and that admitting my powerlessness has been the most beautiful gift I've ever received in my life. I feel like the pressure has been lifted. The pressure has been taken off. Now, man, there's been so many beautiful things, so many ups and downs in the past 12 years. But where I'm at now, I have 12 years of sobriety. I have a wonderful husband, two kids, and I'm still growing. Things are not easy. Things are beautiful. Life is beautiful definitely not easy. I have my struggles as a mom. It's brought me back to the beginning of my sobriety. I mean, it's probably taken me back to my childhood. It's taken me back to before I was sober. Some of the things that I struggled with have sort of resurfaced and I feel like my higher power is letting me see things in a different light. I'm able now to go deeper into some of those struggles It doesn't mean that I didn't work on those. What it means, I think, is that I'm a different person now than I was 12 years ago, 15 years ago, and the person that I am now can go to, I think, a different depth than I could 15 years ago, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago. Now I'm here. I worked in treatment for eight years. I've been a therapist now for 10 years, been in private practice for coming up on two years. My specialty is still addiction. So many times I tried to get away from being in the realm of addiction, of substance use, but here I am. I feel like God keeps guiding me back to this path of staying here with substance use, with recovery. Podcasting was never part of my goals, but I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm looking forward to what God has in store. 
today, I'm just so grateful for the life I have. I'm grateful for being able to show up here on this podcast and bring hope to someone who's listening. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with another parent in recovery who may be looking for solutions to mental health and sobriety? Also, please leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts so other parents just like you can find the show. I'm super excited to know this podcast is helping you. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. I'll see you back here on your next Target Run. Until next time. We are stronger than we think we are. So fight and show your strength. Learn grace from our God. Learn grace from our God. Learn grace from our God. Oh, learn grace from our God.